0: All right. We're live tonight. Here we are. Um, another one of our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Um, really excited tonight to have not only a really special guest, but a good friend and someone that is really the leader when it comes to the whole sports betting industry. And that's why we have Sarah Slane on our show today on, on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Hi, Wayne. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. We're-
1: Must be desperate if they're watching.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, you know, we've been doing these leadership series events every Wednesday night at seven o'clock, as well as on Sunday nights at seven o'clock. And it's really been great because we've had this opportunity to talk with leaders in the sports industry like you, and not only just to talk about the hardcore um, business aspects, but also how you were able to get to where you are. Um, in in life and in business, and and also some of the different you know things that you've you've done, um, you know, and some of the things that you believe are really important to being a leader and making sure that you know you're doing the right thing, and and that's something that we you know we believe in at 76 Capital as as investors in the in the sports tech industry, the esports industry, and of course what we're going to talk about tonight, the sports betting industry. So again welcome and I I'd, I'd love to start off with just really hearing where you grew up and and and, and your path and you know your n- initial path within the um, just from where you grew up and where you went to school at first.
1: Yeah, that, thank you so much and hopefully people have a drink in hand or something to keep it lively. I'll I'll try to be as entertaining as I possibly So I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and um, two younger sisters and a very um, uh, fervent um, dad who absolutely loved sports and um, never thought that I would end up in Las Vegas, but eventually made my way there and, um, you know, started off in the, actually started off on the, the, uh, Political side, and I worked for Catherine Cortez Masto, who's now the senator in Nevada. But I worked on her first attorney general's race, and um, you know, just really got to know the state, got to know the industries that that really fuel the state, which is primarily the gaming industry, and um, you know, made the transition then over into was fortunate enough to then go work for MGM Resorts for seven years, and so. Wow. Um, that
0: was, was that, I'm sorry for interrupting, was that before, um, was that during college or after, co- after college?
1: Yeah, I skipped like 10 years in there. <laughs> I'm trying not to age myself. I went from growing up in Toledo to moving oh. to Las Vegas. No, there was a, I, I made my way to, to Ohio University. Um, actually, both my parents and my sisters, my entire family went to school there. Oddly enough, my parents met there. And um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I I love political science, I love government, worked in, I majored in political science, and that was actually the one major my dad told me that was the dumbest thing to ever major in, but somehow I I had done internships uh, in in Washington DC, and um, loved it. And I went from one aisle of the party to the other aisle of the party uh, in one year, and um, but eventually made my way back to DC after I graduated from college. And see, I just fast forwarded right to Vegas, the exciting part. But um, I spent essentially spent like five years of my career.
0: Go ahead. So though, actually, the reason I ask you that is because Ohio University is is so well known as the the school that a lot of people go to for, for sports management, but that's not why you went there, right?
1: No, I, I like, I like to joke that the two things that they're known for is that uh, scripts, their writing school and their sports management school. I did not actually go to, but um, I wish I had, I wish I had, um, but no I had a great experience and, and they truly were known for, and they continue to be known for uh, those two programs and been so fortunate now to actually be a part now of their continuing education at OU around sports betting. And, um, so that's been just a great experience and a great tie back to the university. And, um, like I said, you know, a lot of Bobcats in my family. So my, uh, they, my whole family was very, very happy with that. Um, uh, so anyway, so I had fast forwarded to, I think moving to DC and living there for a couple of years And, um, you know, just cut my teeth in politics and really understanding uh, how campaigns worked and how communications worked and grassroots and government relations and how that tied back to policy. And then had the opportunity to move to Las Vegas. Um, And I had never actually, I don't think I had ever actually been there. Um, And I remember telling people and they were like, you're crazy, where are you moving? But I love warm weather and uh it was uh I was young and it was a great opportunity and so we gave it a shot and uh like I said, started off and worked on um, Catherine's campaign for attorney general and then transitioned that into a role at MGM uh in two thousand
0: seven. So you went on to to work at, at MGM. Was that in the on the government relations side of things, or was that in the gaming side or sports side at all?
1: Yeah, so I um, I started off in the government relations department, and I mean, truly worked my way up. I think I was like a manager at that time, really focused on federal issues, and had the I guess sort of good for fortune. Um, this was back in two thousand. Eight, nine, right when the economic recession had hit. And um, Las Vegas was obviously uh, very, very hardly impacted by that, but did end up having an amazing opportunity. I think they call them battlefield promotions um, to actually work my way up in the government relations department. And I ended up taking on far more responsibilities just because there were so many layoffs um, at that time. And so, um, had the good fortune then of you know really widening my portfolio, and my exposure, and took on a lot more uh, of the issues, um, certainly at the state level, and which is a totally different um, game than the federal level. And I actually ended up learning a lot about the business, um, and it was just it was the best experience um, that I could have asked for. I mean, it, and you sort of think about what's going on right now. And during that time, it was really scary. Um, Las Vegas was decimated uh, for a long time. I mean, just discretionary income had dried up, and people were not traveling. And you know, the the future of MGM was very uncertain. And so, there's a lot of parallels, kind of, to what's happening right now. And I think about you know just the opportunity that was presented. And it ended up, you know, really working in my favor and it wasn't easy. And it certainly, I didn't have a lot of resources and I did not have a roadmap, but it ended up really giving me a ton of exposure to things that I had not previously had the ability to do. So um, I love that. I actually, um, I loved working on state politics too. It was really interesting. That's where local and state where a lot of like the business was impacted and again, just ended up learning so much about the industry and what made it tick, and um, how uh, executives viewed it. And I think you know, having that Fortune 500 company experience has served me so well when I have now moved back or had moved back then to the advocacy side.
0: And so, and you were so you were in in living in Vegas, and then um, I guess the, it it made sense for you to you know, kind of as a next step, you ended up, you went to the American Gaming Association after that, right? Is that, is that the next? Yeah. So
1: I um, had worked for uh, MGM and at that time they were getting very aggressive in development opportunities. And the thing that's unique about casino gaming is that a lot of the business opportunities are determined by um, state regulations, federal regulations. And so uh, MGM had wanted to get into uh, Maryland. And I ended up running a referendum campaign then to pass the legalization um, for allowing a six casino license in at National Har- Harbor. And so it was a fast and furious campaign. Um, it was one in which it started where we actually had to lobby the state legislature to get them to approve a six casino license. And then on the turn of a dime actually had to stand up a uh, campaign. Um, I mean, literally on the turn of a dime, like it was, it passed. And then the next day it was like, okay, it's August. And now you've got to go actually go persuade people to vote in favor of allowing a casino. And you know, casino legislation, casinos in general are pretty controversial. so. Not only did I have a time crunch, I also had not, not a slam dunk sort of issue. And then on top of that, I actually had another casino operator working against me. So there was $100 million that was spent between MGM side and Penn National Gaming, who was on the other side, who did not want to see another casino built. And it was, uh, I think it was the most expensive referendum campaign that had ever been run for casino legislation. And um, it was a nail biter, and it was probably, it could have, you know, it could have made or broke my career. I never thought about it in those terms, but um, I think I was young and dumb. So I just didn't really think about the magnitude of uh, how it could have all turned out. Thankfully, it turned out in our favor. And, um, we won by, I think, two percentage points and then uh, MGM was awarded the the license and I think it continues to be in their top three most uh, profitable casinos in the country. So it was a great experience. Um, it was, I think, what set me up really well then for you know looking at other advocacy issues and, and having learned from that. So I did that in 2012 and then um, pivoted to uh, the American Gaming Association and I kind of had looked at. I wasn't actually looking for a job at all. Um, I really enjoyed uh, MGM, and at that time, Jim Byrne was the CEO, and I I really really liked what I was doing. I didn't have any plans on leaving. And then um, Jeff Freeman, who was the former CEO of the American Gaming Association, had come in and take it over. Had taken it over, and the chairman of the board was Jim Byrne. The CEO of MGM, and Jeff was completely reorganizing AGA, and he had approached Jim and just said, "Look, here's the new org structure. Do you know anyone that might be interested?" And Jim said, "You should talk to Sarah." Not that he was trying to pawn me off on to Jeff or uh, for me to leave. And um, I think the seed, you know, ended up getting planted, and uh, I just it it was a perfect fit. Um, so. We uh, moved over there, um, or I moved over there in 2014, and really, you know, it had been a very, very small organization. It was really only focused on the Las Vegas operators. And if people who are listening right now know anything about the gaming industry, or for those of you that don't, um, the gaming industry is quite large now, it's um, in 41 states. There's close to a thousand casinos. Um, as I'd mentioned, it had really been only a handful of major Las Vegas operators who were part of the association, and so our vision was to broaden that association and to actually include more of the casino gaming industry in it, so that we were, you know, advocating on behalf of the entire industry, not just the Las Vegas Strip. Well, that we covered was- a lot of ground, like years.
0: <laughs> well, no, it but it, but it's really it's very very interesting to really think about where we've come from and where we are today, and and that's one of the big themes and and why I'm I'm so excited to have you on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Again, we have Sarah Slane from Slane Advisory. She is, you know, one of the top experts in sports betting, um, in 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 casino gaming as well. I mean, I mean, you really really one of the one of one of the one of the best, and and really you know means a lot to have you on the show here and this is this is great for for people to hear really what's happening because i think the next part of the story gets even more exciting as to where we start to see where the what you were doing to help overturn the law that basically said you can only have sports betting in the state of Nevada and you were really influential in in changing that and even on top of all that tomorrow is the second anniversary of the of the repeal of paspa so we can, I'd love to jump into that part of the yeah. story. Too, but which, the stuff
1: that's a little bit more uh, relevant, I guess, or uh, more recent. Um, so, you know, it was uh, this. The casino industry is is tough. I mean, it's a it's a very competitive. I'm sure, like you know, most industries, but extraordinarily competitive industry, and two. Really find alignment among the broader is- industry on issues can be extraordinarily difficult. And when it came to the issue of sports betting, um, you know, I, I like to say some, you know, part of the impetus to moving that whole thing forward was when Commissioner Silver came out with his op ed back at the end, I think, of 2014, and talked about the need then for legalized sports betting. And um, at that time, the industry did not have a unified position on sports betting. And so it then became my job um, per the direction of my old boss, Jeff, to really get the industry aligned behind wanting to see the federal law um, uh, taken down. And, you know, it was a good, it was a great It was a great lesson having come from Nevada and worked in the gaming industry and having shepherded through bills and seeing where collectively you can drive consensus with other operators. And so there were a lot of challenges to that. There were a lot of things that I knew that we were going to have to work through. And I also knew that it wasn't going to happen overnight. Um, And so I spent the better part of 2015 first internally getting our house in order, getting the casino industry's house in order, and getting alignment then among all the operators to, as you had mentioned, want to see sports betting beyond really the state of Nevada. Because at that time, I mean, I'm not sure that at that time, but um, well, no, at that time, certainly it was, it is a, it was a very, very small piece of their gaming revenue pie secondarily was that, you know, I think some of the operators viewed the fact that they only had in Nevada as a monopoly. And so why were they going to want to open this up to potential competitors and lose their edge then for people wanting to fly in for March Madness? So it was truly a year long process where we had formed a sports betting task force, worked through then all of the different questions with research um, and, and had to, you know, work kind of behind the scenes then to get all the operators to align, to agree then to pursue a campaign to repeal PASPA, the federal law. And it was um, it was it was great. I mean, it was it was hard. It was great. But uh, we ended up getting alignment then at the end of 15 and then moving forward, had thought about strategically again, how do we actually get this done? Um, and I'll pause there if there's any direct questions about that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things I think was was interesting. So you you were able to bring together the the casino industry, but there not everyone was very excited about this, right? I mean, there were, and there were certainly, and I, I just you know, I had I had James throw up a picture right now of of a guy who probably wasn't
1: <laughs> really excited. We're buddies. We're buddies now. <laughs>
0: So that's that's a picture. We have a picture on the screen of Kenny Gersh from Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball and the NBA and NFL and others were, you know, they weren't super thrilled about this, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so it wasn't, it was, it was many battles on multiple fronts. So it wasn't just the casino industry that we had to get all aligned. It was also then how do we move to the major stakeholders? in this space and get them to align behind wanting to see uh, this law struck down. And so, you know, we move into 2016. And again, you know, sort of had mapped out, I think that oftentimes what you'll see people do is just jump to the end point and say, okay, we're going to go introduce legislation on Capitol Hill, and then we're going to go lobby and We knew that we had not laid enough groundwork to go do anything to that um, effect until we had actually worked with all the stakeholders. So we sort of took a step back and said, okay, this is an issue that is not singularly a gaming issue. It actually touches a lot of other stakeholders. And who is that primarily? It was um, obviously the casino industry, it was the law enforcement community, it is the sports leagues, teams, and it was the media companies. And so the reason why I had sort of tied together the media and sports side was that I knew that the biggest revenue generator for teams leagues is the TV contracts and knew that sports betting was going to be an unbelievable fan engagement tool, just having seen the success of daily fantasy sports. And knew that money is a very compelling motivator um, when you are trying to persuade people to move in your direction. And so we had actually conducted a lot of research with Nielsen at that time to look at, okay, what is actually the correlation between viewership um, of sports and consumption?
0: And I think you were you were saying you were talking about the oh,
1: I got I got frozen out, huh? There
0: you go. It must okay. have been like, must have been a picture of Scott Van Pelt, you know, in the media.
1: <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> Took down the internet.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> That's- um uh, so I, I don't know where I, I, I froze up, but it, basically it was trying to come up with all the reasons why the media companies and the leagues should move forward with wanting to see it. Did the research, backed it up with facts so that when we went to go talk to them, we made a compelling case as to, to why they would want to advocate for it. So spent a lot of time with MLB and Kenny and um, a couple other folks then, NBA and um, some of the other leagues, NHL, and just, you know, really started to build a dialogue. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately, I think, uh, yeah, I think the easiest thing for people to do is to um, take the, the short-sighted route, which is we're enemies and, you know, we want our money and we want our cut in it. And I, I hope the point that was always Um, Relate to them and that they believed was that we actually, we really did want to be partners and we really did want, we had more in common, you know, there are certainly financial um, pieces that we didn't have alignment on, but at the end of the day, I mean, we really do agree about 90% of what it is that we were trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, and, and certainly now, you know, what, so once you, so you went through this process and was it, did it, um, So what, so what happened when it, when, when the, how, you know, eventually the Supreme court overturned PASPA and then um, how much longer did you stay at, um, at the AGA after that?
1: Yeah. So it was, as you just noted, two years ago tomorrow, which is crazy to think about how much has changed since then. Um, And, you know, that's obviously when the rubber met the road and, you know, the real thing started happening. New Jersey had had really put themselves in a position of moving very quickly. They had passed the laws. They wanted to be the first state up and running. So things moved and there's always this debate of, are we moving fast or slow? And again, I come from it from a legislative perspective in gaming, we are moving, I think, extraordinarily fast. Um, and New Jersey moved fast. And so what I ended up seeing was a lot of the relationships and a lot of the connections that I had made at my, um, during my time at AGA were now transpiring into actual deals. And I, I definitely had like FOMO. I felt like I, I did not come from, I don't think, I, I, I would not classify myself as being like Uh, very entrepreneurial, but I just had this feeling like I, you know, I was missing out on something and that I'd been involved in so many of these discussions. And I knew that I could be more impactful and more helpful to moving the um, opportunity forward on the outside versus being in AGA. And so I had thought about it for a while and had talked to a couple people about, you know, their potential interest in working together and, and you know, I do think that this eventually happens in your career for 20 years under my belt. It just felt right. Like I just knew that, um, and it took a lot of convincing, don't get me wrong. Um, it, it was a big risk. Uh, I've got two kids. I mean, it was not, you know, not traditional. I had been working in an office for 20 years to, to go in and, or to not have that anymore. It was, it was a big, um, it was a big leap, but I had talked to enough people and, you know, just, had enough, I think, confidence to believe that if it worked out great, if it didn't, I could always go back to another job. So, but I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. Um, So was fortunate then I I left in July of 2019 and had the strong support then of the NHL, which was amazing. They were my first client um, and they could not have been more supportive and helpful and offered to do this announcement, which was so nice. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better sort of blue chip client to, to launch out with. And um, they've been a great partner and, and you know, everything since then, I think obviously the circumstances right now are are unique, but um, it's been a great challenge and a great learning experience.
0: Well, once again, you know, we're really, ex- you know, really lucky to have Sarah Slane on our 76 Capital Leadership Series tonight. Um, As as every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we bring on another leader within the sports industry. And tonight, we not only have the leader, we have the leader in the sports betting industry, Sarah Slane, with us tonight. And it's been great to hear, you know, your journey from, you know, Ohio to Ohio University, all the way to, to Vegas, now then back, you know, to the AGA. And now, you know you know, representing and working with companies like the, the National Hockey League and, and really doing the big deals out there in, in, in the sports betting industry. You know, and you think about, as we said earlier, it's, tomorrow's the two-year anniversary of the overturning of PASPA. Um, and, you know, you, it, it's interesting because I remember at, a, at our conference um, that we had during CES this past January, which, my God, I mean, it feels like this 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 scene Feels like it was I don't know ten years ago. I mean, yeah. I, it feels True. like such a long time ago. Um, it was, world. It really was. It was a completely different world. Um, and and each year at CES and hopefully next year we'll, we'll be back again. We do the our, our sports betting summit with our portfolio company Veasan, which is the sports betting network. And, you know, you, had the, you, you were interviewing Kenny Gersh from Major League Baseball. And I remember the conversation about one of the things you just said. And, and Kenny was saying things are just not moving fast enough, but things are moving incredibly fast. And, and we, were, you were, we were sort of joking and going back and forth on that. But things have been really moving. And, and maybe share with everybody how many states now have passed laws and how many states are live, and, and, and what's, what's really going on out there today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the when you are not um, familiar or used to the industry and the challenges that certainly from a uh, there's a couple things. Regulatory challenges. Um, every single state has a different regulatory agency and body that has their different rules and laws. Every single state is passing different. Legislation, different tax rates, different platforms—whether or not that be re- retail or mobile or in-person registration and licensing fees—and so it is. It can be extraordinarily, I think, frustrating to people that are not used to dealing with such a heavily regulated industry. And um, you know, I think at this point now, I, we we've we over twenty states that have enacted legislation. Um, I think we have around 14 that are live and running. It kind of changes every day, just especially now given the situation. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, a lot of prognostication on to as to whether or not more states are going to enact given now so many budget shortfalls, um, not only pass sports betting legislation, but also I think add a mobile component given now that casinos are shut down and that retail piece is going to be probably delayed for quite some time. So um, I expect that, you know, we will move more and more in that direction. Um, that is obviously where consumer demand is. You can see it right now uh, in New Jersey and the numbers that are coming out there. I think it was about, I think the last, you know, real month where things were clicking uh, was somewhere between 80 to 90% of the, the total amount being wagered was mobile. And not through the brick and mortar casinos. So I just think that that is, you know, where things are going to go ultimately. Um, but you bring up the the anniversary and, um, you know, I, I think one of the things just sort of reflecting or looking forward, what I expect to change is, yeah, I do think that there will be, um, it's not a very sexy topic, but it is one extraordinarily important and relevant to the industry is more streamlining of these regulations. And I can remember a story that Kenny was mentioning, which was, you know, they they were frustrated because they wanted to be able to use one of their marks or logos. One of the operators wanted to be able to use one of the marks and logos from MLB and the regulatory process that they had to go through in every single state and getting getting it passed. And it just that, that is not industry to innovate in real time.
0: Right. Yeah, and, th- and that's, so, a, that's... So I
1: think that that's... Yeah, I mean, I think... It's all you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know if we
1: we're all still figuring it out here
0: it's you know look I'll tell you it, it's 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 amazing you know it's amazing that we can we, we can do these things and and this is a a, a great a great opportunity you know to to spend time together um, again I really appreciate it and, and you think about from a regulatory perspective and and being able to you know have you know almost like a you know so that each state is at least similar right you know to to some of the other ones but then you know one of the things that i've i always i always love to throw out there and i i I spoke about it at some online conference we did a couple weeks ago is is the thing that is always hanging out there which is the wire act you know and and will you know will it ever come down will it ever will they ever get rid of it will it not or you know like these are but these are kind of things where you know the, the, the some of these regulations seem like they'll never change but i think the one thing that we've seen in the last two years is there's been a lot of surprises so far
1: yeah i mean i was trying to think of like something that never goes away and like whatever the saying is death and taxes that's how i feel about the wire act like i just feel like it has been there since the inception of my career and i don't i think that i will be dying and it'll still be there um It is presented, for people that are listening that don't, you know, aren't insiders to this whole thing, there is a federal law that prohibits, it was actually put in place back in the early 60s um, by the Kennedy administration to shut down the mafia. And the, the mob at that time was very well known for their illegal betting. And at that point in time, obviously, we only had telephones. And so the way that Bobby Kennedy went after the mob was to uh, implement this law, which essentially said that you couldn't take bets and wagers over a telephone line. It was the wire. Um, So that then got into this whole thing about interstate commerce and federal laws. And now we fast forward 50 years, how many other years, 60 years later, and you know, we've got obviously the internet, which is uh, not the telephone. And they are still taking that interpretation now of the telephone wire and they're applying a, a law that was put in place in the, the 60s to, to prohibiting um, any gambling over state lines. And so that's why we see this sort of patchwork happening on a state by state basis is because. The Wire Act does not allow for transmission over state lines, um, and it is a political hotbed issue. There's when I talked about aligning the industry, that being our first, our first priority around sports betting. Uh, a lot of it had to do with this issue. Um, there are still uh, people in the casino industry that um, view internet gaming or uh, sports betting on the internet as a potential threat to their brick and mortar facilities, their retail operations, and do not want to see um, any uh, changes in the Wire Act. So it's a, it's a, it's a really tough issue. It's, um, I think the reason why we've had such success um, with sports betting at the state level is because you already have casinos that are there you already have a legislative framework in place. You have legislators who are conditioned. They are familiar with the industry. Uh, they see the, the benefits that the industry has provided to the state. They see the employment numbers. I think it's very hard at the federal level to get legislators to actively either remove legislation or proactively, I guess, pass legislation that would enable casino gaming. They'd rather sort of push it off to the states to say, you guys have the authority to decide.
0: Okay. I, I, I agree with you that it's probably going to take, it could be something that may happen, may not happen in our, in our, in our lives, but you know what? I, um, I do, be, I have this I have this you know you know small belief that i think it's that it could potentially happen but you know who knows who knows how this i mean i think a lot of people were really surprised that we're even talking about having sports betting and we're two years into it so it's an exciting time and for what we have right now as you said you know, you've know, you got 21 states out there right now who have passed laws um a lot more likely coming down the pipe because of what the situation we're in right now and there's just some really interesting opportunities and i think you know, one of the things that was, was great was, was yesterday, or I think it was the day before there was an article that came out about you being involved with the, the Rabel brothers and, and the, and the PLL, the, the, the their lacrosse league and what you're doing with them, maybe share some things that you're doing with them. I think that's really a fun, exciting thing that's coming down. And hopefully we're yeah. going to have, you know, things to, to, to bet on this summer.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I viewed the opportunity. Um, First of all, you've, two incredibly dynamic people that are um, committed to what they do day in and day out, lend their support, lend their time. Um, And, you know, I just, I've admired from afar, I live in Baltimore, I have two young boys that both play lacrosse, love lacrosse. And, um, you know, just really been in awe of, you know, what they've created and built. And you see, Sort of the buzz around uh, PLL and the sport, and so was really pleased when they had reached out about working together. And not only because of I think their commitment to to the PLL, but also because um, I thought it was such an interesting and unique opportunity to experiment when it came to sports betting. Um, They very much view themselves as being forward looking, forward leaning, cutting edge, and there's so much of that happening in sports betting right now and to have a league that has the ability to be really nimble um that can you know doesn't have to operate within the same sort of parameters they they are obviously a much smaller organization um so it it lends themselves really well to being flexible um which is why i think that they're you know the first sport that's going to be up in uh july um so, you know, this, this sports betting just lends itself very well to them. And I I am really excited to see, you know, what we're going to be able to do uh, in the coming years. And um, so, yes, stay tuned this summer. You will be able to bet on sports betting. We just actually today, New Jersey confirmed that we are an approved bet um, or approved sport for betting. So that's exciting. And, you know, we've talked to all the regulators and the other states that have um, mobile, and they they are all you know, I think, uh, looking at the opportunity as well. So I think we're going to be in great shape for the summer.
0: That's awesome. That's incredible. And then another company, one of the things I was wanted to also mention, you know, on our 76 capital leadership series, we, and we have Sarah Slane with us and Sarah, you're also, in, you're involved, um, on the advisory board of one of our 76 capital portfolio companies, um, us integrity, uh, that's, that's run by uh, their CEO, Matt Holt. And, uh, there was also some pretty exciting news that came out with you and us integrity within the last few days as well
1: yeah yeah they're a great i, I know matt for a while um you know he really he cut his teeth in las vegas still lives there um he's a great guy funny guy and um you know i love sort of the vision for usi and it really fits into um, one of the pillars about obviously promoting integrity and the services that they're going to be able to provide then to uh, to schools and to to teams and so uh, love working with them and yes was excited to announce that we have a online uh, education course through a high university and um, I guess I make a, an appearance on it and um, so it's it's that's been great.
0: Yeah, it's really it's been really exciting for us as well at Seventy Six Capital work with Mark with with Matt sorry with Matt and Scott uh, over there at, at US Integrity and and as as you said I mean to really you know their business and working with teams and leagues and, and and universities around making sure that everything's on the up and up within the sports betting industry because that's what's so important for all of us to make sure that this this industry is truly. know everyone's doing the right thing it's it's regulated in the right way and uh, but then at the same time be able to offer this course that allows pretty much anybody to go out and take this course online it's a few hours and then afterwards get a certificate and be able to you know you know talk to talk and be able to you know and quite frankly also be able to get a job and I think that's one of the things that a number of people within the um across across the country today because of what's happening um there's there's an opportunity now for you to get trained and and learn about this brand you know this this i wouldn't say brand new industry, but new industry the new growing industry across the united states at this point right now so that's that's an exciting thing and then you know one of the last things i wanted to ask you and, I, and i'll let you, you you head off um but i really wanted to um You know, just hear from you what you thought are some of the biggest deals so far um, that have really that have that have happened, maybe that you were surprised about or but also, you know, just that you're super, super excited about and seeing the the growth of what's happening across um, the sports betting industry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's big deals. And then I think there are some deals that are just um, they speak to how far the casino industries come. And I think that the first, it must've been the Fox bet announcement. I think that that was probably one of the, um, the first media deals. I think it was the first media deal that was announced. I know those guys were working on it for a long time um, with the stars group who's now Flutter, who's now FanDuel. Um, You know, I think that that really reflected um, the acceptance of the sports betting Operators and the opportunity of such a massive deal on such a, a large scale. And I think the, the obviously the tie to NFL um, for me, having you know been there at the beginning and just you know sort of seeing the long road that we had ahead and convincing people and really trying to work hard on educating people about um, the industry and the opportunity that was definitely a deal that solidified the fact that, you know, this is going to work. Or at least right now, you know, everyone's hoping it's going to work. Obviously there's going to be an execution part that's going to be critical to this whole thing. But, you know, I thought that was really, uh, I thought that was like just a huge um, accomplishment for the industry. Um, You know, there've been others, like I said, that are not maybe as big, but you know, that, that, that speak to, Kind of where the industry is headed with innovation, with you know some of the smaller maybe tech companies. Um, I think we're going to see and continue to see a lot happening in payments. Um, people will ask me, you know, a lot like, "Well, if I'm going to go invest in something, where would I invest?" And I say, "Well, have you ever tried to get onto a sports betting app? I mean, it's not easy. Um, so there's been a lot of challenges, just from an authentication piece to verification to." sort of streamlining all of that and and the experience. And, you know, if I had a dollar for every time that someone told me they had the best, you know, user interface experience for a sports betting app, I'd be extraordinarily rich. I wouldn't be on this right now, Um, I'd be somewhere else. Uh, Maybe on my yacht, I don't know, Um, but-
0: You did make, you've already made the hall of fame. I mean, look at this, right? (laughs) You've done a couple of Uh, And and it is kind of, it is very funny to hear, you know, all the, you know, a lot of people with, you know, it's, it, this looks better, this looks different, but you know what, they're, they're really, as we always say at 76 Capital in the sports betting industry, we believe there will be companies like a Facebook and a Google um, and an Amazon of this industry. And some of those companies, they may not be some of the companies that we know of today, they could be some of the new startup companies. And we certainly are. Always looking for those kinds of opportunities. So I think that that, you know, seeing all these things and, you know, our our investment team with with Scott and James and what they look at every day. I mean, we we see over one hundred and fifty new opportunities a month, and it's it's pretty incredible to go through all those and see how many people are are so interested in trying to do the next next thing. And I think I think it's going to really happen. Um, so I I, I, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and I, I really just again I want to congratulate you you know on, on joining the uh, this 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 Hall of fame and and also and thank you um, and really want to thank you for, for for coming on tonight sharing your story um, your your view as to what's going on in, in the industry um, you know with you know we didn't talk about it all we didn't talk at all about the uh, the penn national deal with Barstool you know that, that's, a, that was that's a good one.
1: one that was a really good one. That was, uh, I, I, that was smart. They've got a, a John Kaplowitz, who's over at, at Penn, uh, Jay Snowden, their CEO, they have a fab, fabulous team. They have always been um, sharp elbowed, smart, and I mean that in a good way. Um, having battled against them in Maryland, uh, they are, I, I would not count them out. They are extraordinarily talented, and I thought that was a great, really smart, good deal.
0: Yeah, I, I think that was really brilliant, and it was. Look, it was the talk of of Super Bowl in Miami. I mean, the deal came out that week, and it seemed like it was the only thing people wanted to talk about was was that deal. And I, I remember seeing, um, you know, one of those nights I was somewhere, and and I, a guy puts his arm around me, and I, I was like, "Who the heck is this?" And it was, and Darren Ravel's like, "This is a good thing for us. This is a good thing for this industry." <laughs> You're right?
1: You can imagine. Yeah.
0: That. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, it was, it was very smart.
0: Yeah. So, well, again, thank you so much for coming on our 76 capital leadership series, Sarah Slane, Slane advisory. Uh, If you are looking to do anything in the sports betting industry, um, you got to check in with Sarah. She knows what's going on. She's, she is the, you know, the leading expert across all of that. And we, and it's so great to have you working with some of our portfolio companies and hope we can do even more in the future. And uh, again, so thank you so much. And uh, before we um, before we wrap up, I just want to mention on this Sunday it's seven o'clock. We have a special guest coming on our Seventy Six Capital Leadership Series. She is going to is the new CEO of one of our um, new portfolio companies. We're very very excited about this this company, which is doing some really really innovative things within the world of fitness and technology and um, this is she's she's a rock star. And uh, just like our, our guest tonight, Sarah Slane, um, really excited for to, for that conversation on Sunday night at seven. And then next Wednesday, uh, my partner, John Powell, will be on with me. And we're going to make another really special announcement um, husband that we're doing here at 76 Capital as well and uh, really excited about that. And look, we got to just keep pushing forward. Hope everybody stays safe out there and uh, You know, that's all all we can ask for because sports will be back. Sports betting is going to be back like no one's business. And, um, again, we're really fortunate to have had Sarah tonight. So thanks so much, Sarah. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: Have a good night.